Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung. We thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you in giving. And now as we get ready to look into your word, we ask that it will gain great root in our hearts and that we will grow thereby. We thank you. We honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are starting a brand new series. Um, I picked this as the summer series. I, my plan is not to be as long as I usually am with uh, our other topics. Um, so this is only going to be five, five weeks. It's five different buzzwords that are said in the Christian community that I want to make sure that we have a good understanding of. So we're going to start this journey with the very first word. And that first word is Trinity. And Trinity uh, uncovers the all-inspiring nature of one God who reveals himself in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can see how this can become a topic because it is actually something that is greater than our mind can actually comprehend. And so what we have a tendency to do is to reduce it to something that we can understand, but then that causes complications that we have to deal with later on. We say certain things and we expect people to know them even when we have not taught them what it means. So that's why we're going to talk about buzzwords for this summer. So as we said before, I thought of a nice little title for this one. This one is going to be called Trinity Revealed. And our definitions, our first definition is buzzword. And the word buzzword actually was not a word I could locate in the dictionary, but I had to do uh, etymological uh, research, and it was uh, noted as a Harvard student slang for the key words in a lecture or reading. The key words in a lecture or a reading. Those were the buzzwords. Now the word Trinity in theology, Trinity is the union of three persons in one Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then to reveal is to disclose, to discover, to show, to make something known before, which before was unknown or concealed. Now some folks are saying, well, I, I know about the Trinity, but we want to make sure that we have an understanding of what it is all about. Yeah. Let's go to Romans. And the funny, the significant thing about this is that we're going to be in Romans the whole series. So just get ready to be in Romans. So I'm going to read Romans 8, 9 through 11. And I'm going to let you know that I'm going to be making reference to Romans 8, 26 through 39. Um, as we go through this. Romans 8, 9 through 11, the English Standard Version says this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, 
In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We ask that it will fall upon the good soul of our hearts in Jesus name. We have. Often, oh, well, let me just say it like this. Oftentimes we find ourselves in a new place or a new situation. I will even say a new generation. There are words that this generation says today that we have to be read in on in order to know what is actually being said. One of my words that I have, I've been enjoying by this new generation is the word cap. And the word cap means lie. Now, I know you're trying to figure out how cap means lie. I didn't, I didn't dig into it. But when a, when a kid says no cap, they mean I'm not lying. Just, just so you know. If you hear somebody say that, that's what they're saying. When they say no cap, that means I'm not lying. All right? So, so in the same manner, we have to be sure that when we say certain words when we're talking to somebody in our community, that we are on the same sheet of music. You know... Whether you're a new person coming to the church or you've been doing this for a long time, there's a lot of words that make up what we call church language that you may not be familiar with. And so that's why this series that we're about to go through is going to cover some of the more common words, what they mean and how those concepts apply to our faith. And so that's how we start off with the big one, the one that has caused controversy for so many years that uh, it's still causing controversy today, and that word is Trinity. Now, again, as I said before, that we're going to be drawing from what is called the textbook for the Christian faith, which is the book of Romans. When Paul wrote this book, his whole desire is to have instructions on how to live the life that we are called to live in Christ Jesus. So first, what is the Trinity? The Trinity, simply put, is the word used to describe the three persons and one being God. The three persons and the one being God. In Christianity, there's only one true God. And throughout the Old and New Testament, we, we discover that God is revealing himself in these three different persons. Now, you're going to also run into this situation where you're going to look into, go into your uh, Bible app and you're going to search for the word Trinity and you're going to discover that it cannot be located. 
Again, this is the definition of the concept. The definition of the concept is the unification of three, uh, three persons in one being. And so we can see it all throughout scriptures. We see it all throughout scripture. We see it all. You go to the New Testament where it is really um, vaulted and, 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 ex and exclaimed. And then you go to the Old Testament and you can see it even in the opening of the Bible. The first book of the Bible, the first verse of the Bible, it says in the beginning, God and the word God at that time is Elohim and Elohim means gods. And so it brings out the fact that this God, which is the noun and it uses created, which means a singular reference to. See, I, I know I got a little the, theological difference, but it's a singular reference to the complexity of the one God. And so we see that in this, that there is a, 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 a movement or a, not a movement, but a, 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 uh, a visualization of how we try to make three distinct persons out of what the Trinity is. But what the Trinity is, is that the eternal God who has always been Father, Son, Holy Spirit, has made himself known in the central biblical act of the Father sending the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let me say that one more time. The eternal God, now eternal means that he's all outside our timeline. He's, he, uh, we, we, we know that the Bible says that his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, so he's... He's one, his oneness is that he's God, but he has sent the Son and the Holy Spirit who has always been with him. Because in his personage, he is able to show us different aspects and characteristics of himself so that we can understand the complexity of who he is even more. Now, understanding complexity is a hard thing. Because complexity is just what it is. It's complex. And so to understand and comprehend that this is simply God saying, I am showing you how great I am, how far I exceed who you can think that I am, how far reaching I am. But I have to show you segments of my total being so that you can understand how much I care and love you. If you drop down to the other part of Romans, Romans around about the 26, 27th verse, we, 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 we read more, uh, more about how God the Spirit is working and that he's exceeding for us uh, on our behalf to God the Father and, the, and how the Spirit works in our lives. Uh, some people really love to go through those scriptures, you know, because what can separate us from the love of God and all that. But my, my point is, there's always this interaction between 
It's always showing these aspects of himself. And as long as we understand that the Father sent the Son and the Holy Spirit. We can look through, through in the New Testament when we saw where, uh, I believe it's Matthew 4, where uh, uh, Jesus was getting baptized. And we see how God comes up and, he's, and the Holy Spirit descends and he says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Y'all need to listen to him. He shows himself repeatedly, and this is how he reveals the diversity of who he is. He's the creator of all things. He's the redeemer of all things, and he's the guide of all things. <laughs> so there are these distinct roles or these distinct persons Yet at the same time, they have equality and oneness. And as we try to describe it, we, we've heard folks say it's like an apple. You know, you got the seed, you got the, the flesh, you got the skin, but that ain't really God because God is greater than the apple. And see, when you try to take this complexity and make it too simple, you make it more complex because it is too simple. But if we can just grab a hold of that the Father sent the Son and the Spirit. That's all we got to grab. The Father sent the Son. He sent the Spirit. And he uses that in order for us to reflect upon who he is and what he can do. So there's distinct roles, distinct persons, and yet one God. And so... Uh, J.D. Greer writes, most Americans want a God who is only a slightly bigger, slightly smarter version of us. But the God of the Bible is something altogether different. And here's the irony. Only a God like that is capable of sustaining our faith, igniting our passions, and giving us the confidence that we need to face suffering and the hardships of the, the, hardships of the world. It's like the British philosopher Evelyn Underhill famously said, if God were small enough to be understood, he would not be big enough to be worshipped. If God were small enough to be understood, he would not be big enough to be worshipped. And so us trying to wrap our mind, our finite minds around an infinite being and understand who he is in his infinity, it just don't happen. It is impossible to happen. Why? Because it is an understanding in the simplicity that the Father sent the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is the simplest way to explain it. He sent the Son, he sent the Holy Spirit. But it's God. Sending the Son and the Holy Spirit. And if we try to package it so that we can understand it, we end up reducing the, 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 the totality of what Trinity is to Nothing but controversy. If you try to say that God is three persons, he's the Father, then he's the Son, and then he's the Spirit, 
then you go into a, 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 a uh, mentality that's called modalism, where God only operates in these certain modes. But see, that was a way of them trying to understand the concept of who he was. And it reduces again that you're saying that the Father and the Son and the Spirit cannot all be in operation at the same time because... He's either the Father, He's either the Son, or He's either the Spirit. And so it causes this conflict in our ability to understand that no, He's not each of these, He's all these, and He reveals Himself through these different characteristics or personages. When we can grab hold of that and understand that when we are talking about God and we are then focusing on the specific aspect of who he is in his personage to us, then it becomes clear to us how we are communicating to the Father. They even tried to come and explain it to us. I, I heard somebody say, well, Jesus said, I'm submitted to the Father. Okay, there's no problem with Jesus saying, I'm submitted to the Father. He said, the Father is greater than I am. Well, that means that Jesus was subordinate to who God. Well, hold on, let's talk about that for a minute. If we know that God is, uh, God is the being and the Father and the Son are the persons or the reflection of his being, then it could be safe to say that in the personage of when they're revealing themselves, that one would be subordinate to another to help us to get a reflection of how we're supposed to operate also. For instance, a husband and a wife. The husband is responsible. The wife is submitted. But they're both human beings, right? So there's no difference between them two. It's a difference in the roles that they're playing at the moment. You'll catch that in a moment. But we have to realize that it's very easy for us to want to make God like somebody that we sit, aside, sit beside on the bus. Because we just, we just don't want to understand how complex he is. We just want to make him simple. But in the bottom line, I'm going to keep saying this, it's the... It's simply the Father sent the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's all it is. He sent them to be what is needed in the earth so that the Spirit of God, the, 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 the reflection of God in the Son, and Him Himself who sits high above the earth can all show us how we can approach Him in our times of need. And so as we're going through this, and I'm almost done, as we're going through this, as we're maneuvering through this, I want to ensure that we have a good understanding of the, simplicity, the simplistic explanation of the complexity of God. The simple explanation, the simple explanation, the simple explanation is the Father sent the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, the complexity is the Godhead has always been one Godhead, which contains the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
But in order for God to make himself known to us, the Father sent the Son and the Holy Spirit. They've always been together. There was nothing, God did not create the other two. They were always there together. But then when it came time for the revelation to us, remember we talked about our definition of Trinity being revealed. The revelation to us was when he showed us Jesus and he showed us that he will not leave us comfortless. He sent the Holy Spirit in order to refer us back to the word, which is Jesus, so that we would know that God is always with us. So we want to ensure that when we're talking about Trinity to those that are new or too old, that we understand that the Trinity is the Father sent the Son and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that something? Now there's books written on this. There's novels written on this. And, and we can get into the complexities and the ontological on, uh, definitions and we can get into all that, but simply... The Godhead was there from the beginning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because it says in the first verse of the first book of the first chapter of the Bible that in the beginning, God, and I told you before, that word God is Elohim, which is a plural word, but created makes it singular in meaning. Okay, because I'm starting to get theologically happy. So what we're going to do is just stand on this one thing. The Father sent the Son and the Holy Spirit so that we could have an understanding of the character, the characteristics of how God wants to operate in our lives. And that is the quick down and dirty of the Trinity. Because I want, like I said, because it's summer, I want us to kind of not spend as much time. But I want to hit us with this, get us a, 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 a revelation of this so that we can go forward and have an understanding. That's why we started off with the Trinity. The next thing we're going to go into is the gospel. What does the gospel mean? Then we're going to talk about atonement. What does atonement, what does that propitiation mean that we see in the Bible? What does justification mean? What does sanctification mean? What all this, these shuns mean? What, what, what are we shunning? What are we getting, not, it's not getting rid of, it's the act or the, or the, uh, the, uh, the action of. And so next week we're going to look at the gospel and talk about what does the good news mean when we talk about the gospel. All right, so with that being said, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all this really is irrelevant to you, but we don't want it to be irrelevant to you. We want you to have an understanding that Jesus came so that you could have life eternal. Mm -hmm. The Father set it up so that you could be back in fellowship with him. The Spirit is touching you right now, causing you to realize that you need Jesus in your life. And the funny thing is, a lot of us have, have, have said that, you know, uh, what is God going to do for me? Well, he's already did everything. And that's the thing. He, he's done everything. He just wants you to receive the gift of life that he has provided for you. 
And the gift of life is different than any other gift that you have ever received. Now, to receive this gift of life that God has for you is a simple process. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It says, for with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confessed and is saved. The confession of your mouth, the declaration of your mouth is what causes salvation to be made manifest in your, in your, uh, in your life. And the Bible then goes on a couple more verses down and says, everyone who calls means you said something. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's all about you making this declaration and in your heart changing the direction that you're going in, which is the word repent means I'm going to change and go into a new direction. When you do that, God is there to provide you with a gift. But the thing about it is you are not doing this all by yourself. We say here that it's not an individual event. This is a team sport. And we're going to come alongside you and assist you along this journey. Our desire is to assist you to become all that God wants for you to be. With that being said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to provide you with our email and our text, no, uh, text number so that you can contact us. Let us know that you've made that decision. No matter where you are in the world, we are willing to be in, uh, interact with you and talk with you to assist you along this journey. So our uh, email is info at godshousecc.com. That's info at godshousecc.com. And our text is 864-920-0100. That's 864-920-0100. International number is one. So that's 1-864-920-0100. Well, friends and family, told you we weren't going to be long on these. We're going to hit them. We're going to hit those highlights. Because I want you just to enjoy your summer and I believe that I can compact these two enough to give you the information that you need and also let you enjoy your swimming pool or your hot tub or whatever you're sitting in right now at online church service. All right. So with that being said, next week we're going to be talking about the gospel and what it means to us today. All right. Well, until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus name.